Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Unless you're deliberately not paying attention or you're hiding under a rock, it's hard to avoid the federal election campaign. Like it or not, candidates for Northumberland Peterborough South are seeking your vote. Consider this Northumberland is committed to bringing you interviews with all five candidates for the riding. These are edited versions of extensive interviews done with each one. For the full interviews with bonus material, you can go to our website at www.consider-this.ca. That's www.consider-this.ca. So without any delay, here is Liberal candidate Alison Lester. I'm so pleased to have with me today the Liberal candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South, Alison Lester. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you for having me. We are experiencing a fourth wave of the pandemic. The number of cases in Ontario is rising. The vaccination rates have slowed and we are not near herd immunity. Plus, kids are returning to school and families are anxious. I'm sure there are people out there in Northumberland who want to know, why did your party think that this election was necessary? So the, the rationale for the election is that uh, we are about to embark on the COVID recovery strategy. Perhaps that's hopeful that we're in recovery mode, but certainly uh, the Liberal budget that was produced uh, not too long ago makes uh, major investments in bringing back the economy and finishing off the COVID-19 pandemic. As a result of this, this is a a massive undertaking and uh, the leader wants to ensure that he has a mandate from the Canadian public to go ahead and to take the steps that our party believes are necessary to uh, return Canada to the prosperous, vibrant economy that we had prior to the pandemic. But with all due respect, you had a mandate from the election. We're in the midst of a lot of things that are going on. Certainly would it not have been smarter to just say, let's get the job done. Well, the mandate that he was given was was prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Nobody foresaw this. And so it's felt at this point that it's required to go back to the public to say, here's our plan. We want to know that you're buying into our plan to uh, to return our country to uh, what it was before the pandemic. Uh, furthermore, there were a number of, of uh, delays and tactics in the House of Commons that did make it difficult to pass certain legislation implementing the budget uh, and other similar uh, bills that uh, really didn't help the Liberal position. And so, again, going to the public saying, here's our plan, let's all get on the same boat and and, uh, move forward together is warranted at this time. Again, isn't that the the point of leadership is to be able to negotiate with other parties, to be able to work collaboratively? 
and then seek a mandate based on what you've accomplished rather than what you're promising? Well, and unfortunately, it was proving difficult to do at this time. And uh, as the, the leader of the party has said, and will continue to say, uh, how, can, how can we not go to the public when we're about to embark on such uh, a large uh, plan? How can we not turn to the public and say, is this what you want us to do? It's the ultimate act of accountability to the people. And uh, again, I'll, I'll repeat that, that uh, it is the time to do it. Before we, we launch this initiative, let's get together as a country and move forward with the Liberal plan. Now, with this election taking place, it's created a certain amount of uncertainty. Now, if I'm someone in Northumberland receiving CERB benefits right now, those are the only going to last until October 23rd. Hasn't your party left that person hanging in the balance as to the outcome of the election to know if they're going to have some kind of a safety net? And what are the Liberals planning to do to address people's needs as we face an uncertain future with the fourth wave? Well, the Liberals, I, my understanding is that the Conservatives feel that the, that the CERB should have been uh, already concluded. So the Liberal position is that we will continue to do so and we will continue to invest in the middle class and ensure that we grow an economy that's for everyone. And so the the impetus behind this budget is to make critical investments into the areas that were hardest hit by the pandemic and ensure that we can uh, continue uh, to grow and to build back better, as you've heard many Liberals say. Um, and, and so that would be, again, the rationale for having this election is to say, okay, this is our plan. Here's how we're going to put money back into the economy and get people back on track. You use a lot of terminology in there. What do you mean by critical investments into the middle class? I mean, these aren't middle class people. These are people on the edge that are vulnerable. So what are you doing that's going to ensure that these people are not going to have to have their future hanging in the balance? Well, I think one of a really good example of that is the, uh, the Liberals investment in child care. One of the things we really saw over the pandemic was uh, the disappearance of women from the workforce. When we were in the heart of it, it was most often women who were responsible for uh, having to leave their jobs, take care of children. And uh, we've made, the pandemic has made it clear that without uh, some uh, structured form of childcare relief, then we will not see those women back in, in the workforce. And so the liberal, is, liberal government, as we know in the budget, has uh, introduced the $10 a day childcare program and has also increased the uh, Canada Child Benefit, or has made available the Canada Child Benefit to help uh, lift kids out of poverty. So for me, especially speaking as a, as a woman and a mother, that, that child care benefit is one of the major ways that the Liberal plan is investing uh, in families and making sure that we can uh, move forward following the pandemic. And that makes a lot of sense if you're a parent, but if you're not a parent and you're, again, maybe you're a young person or maybe you're an older person or maybe you don't have kids, what, what guarantees are you giving those people to ensure that they will have the support that they need as, they, as we pull out of the pandemic? Well, everybody's going to have a different, uh, or different requirement. Uh, one of the major things that I think the Liberal government is proud of, and I think should be proud of, is the national housing strategy. 
So uh, I know that the CERB benefits really helped to make sure that people were able to remain in their homes. And the Liberal Party took on uh, the cost of the CERB benefit in order that families didn't have to start paying their mortgage payments on their credit cards and things of that nature. And so by continuing the investment in the national housing strategy, which by the way is the first uh, Canadian government to do uh, a strategy of this, of this nature, um, we're investing to build stronger communities by making sure that 50% of people are lifted out of homelessness going forward. So we've got big plans um, and we just need to have the mandate in order to, to put them into place. Okay, and I'd like to come back to housing strategy in a bit, but why didn't your party pursue a, a universal basic income? I mean, that was adopted by a majority at your policy convention in April. Why hasn't this been put on the table as, as an alternative so that Canadians can go forward knowing that they're going to have some form of guaranteed income? So uh, in my position as a candidate, I'm not privy to the decisions that are made um, at that level in terms of the plan. Um, as well, the full Liberal plan has not uh, been released. Um, in terms of universal basic income, uh, certainly it's something that I would support in theory. And uh, it, you're quite right, it was adopted at the, at the convention. So uh, certainly it will be something that is, is being considered. But as I said, I don't, I don't have information at this point in terms of the workings of the party on an internal level. Okay, and while we're still talking about people's incomes, in Northumberland, we have a higher than average number of seniors. And while your party approved a one-time payment of just over $800 to those over 75 years old, what has it done to make any substantial changes to old age security? Meanwhile, inflation is ravaging seniors' incomes. So what are you going to do for all seniors 65 years and older who depend on this payment to live? So one of the things that I'm pretty excited about in the Liberal plan for dealing with seniors is the Home Accessibility Tax Credit. And this will provide um, additional funds to assist seniors to stay in their homes by making homes more accessible. So if we can keep seniors living at home where they're comfortable in an affordable way, I think that's crucial. Um, I know in our riding in particular, seniors issues are really at the forefront. So I'm quite excited about the Liberals plan and how it, we can implement it in this area. It's it's something I'm hearing at the doors as I go door to door and speak to folks. Um, affordability for seniors is, is uh, certainly something that I will be listening to and uh, working with the government if I have the opportunity to be elected to see how we can bring you're those talking about here. You're talking about a program that is very specific if somebody has accessibility issues. I'm talking about and asking you about an income program that is going to give more money in people's pockets to spend on food, to spend on rent, to spend on transportation, some of the essentials that they need. What is your government going to do to help those people in that way? So I don't have the details of the, the specific OAS plan at this point. I'm happy to, uh, to call you once I've had an opportunity to speak with folks to get a better sense of what the specific plan is right here at this moment. Again, as I said, I'm not sure that the entire plan has been uh, released yet. Um, in terms of OAS, certainly I know many folks rely on it and we did provide that, that uh, incentive, that, that extra $500 that went out in August. 
Um, and uh, that, in my view, shows that the Liberal Party is really committed to helping seniors. They know that seniors um, are needing assistance. One of the things that I would highlight, though, is the uh, increase in uh, minimum wage for personal support workers. This has been announced by the Liberal government, and um, I know firsthand how many personal support workers are needed and how their income, given the, the nature of the work that they do, uh, has historically been relatively low. So again, these, while maybe not dealing specifically with the OAS, there are a number of programs that have been announced uh, that I, I believe will make the cost of living and, and assisting the ability to uh, uh, continue living at home, as we've discussed for seniors, uh, much better. You know, definitely your, your party platform uh, does put an emphasis on long-term care sector, and you've mentioned some of the programs that it's, it's announced, but what about pharmacare? Your party ran on a promise uh, in the last election to have a national pharmacare program. Now it seems this initiative has just evaporated. Why hasn't there been more done on this program that the Liberals said was a priority before, but doesn't seem to be a priority now? Well, I think... I it's easy to, to look backwards and say, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do this. But what we did do is face a global pandemic that nobody was anticipating. And the Liberal Party, had the, the government had to throw all of its resources into making sure that Canadians were safe. Um, and certainly, I think the, the primary emphasis was on obtaining vaccines, getting the CERB out quickly, and you know, our record speaks for itself. We are one of the top countries in terms of vaccinating uh, its citizens. Uh, I know pharmacare is an important component, but uh, it was all hands on deck to just get through the pandemic. So I, I think we'll be forgiven if, if, uh, if that was the primary focus, it had to be. The government acted so quickly and really was able to come in and address the needs of, of Canadians. And that was its primary focus and had to be, of course. What about supports for business going forward? What concrete proposals do you have to help them? Well, there have been supports for businesses going forward. Um, the, as we indicated, some of the, the COVID subsidies will continue for a period of time. And then we will be moving into transitioning into rebuilding the economy. So in this issue, in this area, of course, agriculture is a primary business. So the, there will be investments in clean technologies so that uh, as we shift to a green economy, the farmers have access to uh, funding to help produce uh, more sustainable techniques. And there will be investments in, in that nature of technology. Also, we've seen investments in the uh, tourism area. There was recently announced a large amount of money going into tourism to help restore that business as well. So there are uh, particularly industries that have been hardest hit by COVID are seeing uh, supports provided by the government. Well, it's interesting you mentioned farmers because one of the things when I interview farmers they talked about during the pandemic was the lack of processing plants in, in Canada and the man of, in a sector that was supportive in Canada. And one farmer even described that his, his pigs, they go to slaughter in the United States they come back as bacon and supposedly they're sold as Canadian bacon. But these cross-border issues became important. So in supporting farmers, what is your government gonna do about food security? So again, I'll, I'll wait for the full plan to come out in order to address that uh, directly. 
Um, I, I know that over the course of the pandemic, there was there was money donated or uh, put back into the economy to help with local sources of food. Um, there was a concern about food waste. And so the, the Liberal government initiated a program to ensure that, that issues of food waste were being addressed so that uh, individuals who uh, maybe didn't have access to uh, nutritious food during the course of the pandemic were, were connected in that way. Um, what, what I can say is that my plan, if I'm elected, is to talk one-on-one -on -one with farmers to hear the things that you're hearing. Um, obviously, I'm not a farmer. I haven't been living this life, but what I can do is advocate on behalf of farmers. So if the local farmers in our area are telling me that this is an issue, then of course my, my number one goal will be to go back to the government and to say, this is what the farmers of my region are, are telling me, what are we gonna do about that? Obviously I'm not gonna make promises that I can't keep, but I will promise that I will listen and then I will advocate. Recently in Northumberland, there have been several deaths due to opioid overdoses. Police are very worried, as are many agencies. And we also have experienced a major incident of violence sending people to the hospital. What is your party prepared to do about this local and national crisis? Obviously, this is really front of mind for folks in our riding because we're seeing it on on we're seeing it in real life. Um, I know in Coburg alone, there were four overdoses in the span of 24 hours. So if we're seeing that in Coburg, uh, what are they seeing in the bigger cities? This is, a, this is a crisis and there's no question about that. And of course, during the pandemic, uh, these issues only worsened. So the Liberal government has made a commitment of $116 million over two years. Uh, which is building on a previous commitment of $6.6 million um, in a substance use and addictions program. So again, that's easy to say that we've got millions of dollars. The question will be, who is the person that's going to get those millions of dollars and bring them to this riding? So what I am wanting to be is that person. I'm a, I, I live in a, in a downtown of Coburg, Ontario. Um, I, I see that that the nature of downtown has changed. So there needs to be a solution to this problem and it, it has to happen on multi-levels. Um, it's, not, it's not just a matter of uh, opioid use increasing. It relates to homelessness, mental health, um, all sorts of lack of resources. These are all connected. There is a, a wonderful program here in our, our jurisdiction um, called Wraparound where uh, they tackle issues from all avenues. Um, and so if somebody is having one problem, uh, they, they address whether maybe it's actually caused by another problem. So in my view, those are the kinds of local solutions that work really, really well. So the trick will be to harness the, the funding that the, the Liberal government is, is committing to and, and bringing that locally. And that's where the, the riding representative, the member of parliament comes in. So it's, it's uh, being a connector between the community and, and these amounts of money that are available. So of course that would be my primary goal is to forge those relationships so that I can uh, be the conduit of this help coming into our communities. The party platform- Can you tell this is one I feel passionately about? <laughs> Indeed.
Your Parity platform also talks about helping businesses, especially when it comes to hiring and getting people back to work. Now, there are certainly a lot of businesses in Northumberland that have signs out that say they're looking for people. Yet the Canadian Federation of Independent Business reported in a survey done in July that their members are having a hard time finding employees. Now, many people are rethinking work, minimum wage jobs, precarious working positions with minimal part-time hours, no benefits, and people are having to hold multiple jobs just to pay their bills. What is your party going to do to address these issues? Well, in, in terms of the addressing minimum wage in, in particular, that of course would be a provincial matter. So I'm not sure that the federal government would be able to mandate that particularly in this area. Um, but again, the, the commitment in the, in the liberal government is one to ensure prosperity, health, environment. Sure. No, I, I understand that. I understand that. I'm, I, wanna, I want you to be specific here, please, because the thing is you guys are promising dollars to help people hire. But if they're only going to be hiring people for part-time jobs, for minimum wage, for no benefits, how does this help those people who are looking for full-time employment, who want benefits, who want some job security? Well, I, the federal government is, is pledging to, to work with, to provide funds for employers to make uh, jobs available to folks who are looking for them. Um, in terms of the, the nature of the work that's being provided, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question because I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with legislation that is at the provincial level. Um, but I do think that what the COVID pandemic revealed for folks is the nature of employment has to change. I mean, it, we, we saw that the folks who sometimes have the more precarious employment were in fact the ones that we relied on the most. So it, I do believe that there's been a shift of mindset to say, well, wait a second, this, these are the jobs that are crucially important. So I would hope, and I, this is something I harp on all the time, but I would hope we would see a level of cooperation between all levels of, of government, municipal, provincial, and federal to ensure that if the federal government is providing stimulus funds to employ folks, that there is um, some follow through at the next level to make sure that these are meaningful jobs that are being provided. It goes back to cooperation. So many of these things do um, because we aren't in silos, right? It all, it all has to work together. And again, uh, if I was the member of parliament, one of my first orders of business would be to uh, forge connections with the various uh, levels of government in this writing to see how we can work together. One of the things I saw at the beginning of the pandemic was that we really saw that collaboration. Um, unfortunately, I think that uh, it may not have been sustained as long as we had hoped, but when we were first faced with the pandemic, all levels of government rallied together to say, how are we gonna deal with this? Uh, and, and I think that's what we need to come back to because there are uh, repercussions of the pandemic that we're going to see for years to come. Affordable housing is something you've already alluded to. And finding rental housing uh, in Northumberland is, is next to impossible. And there are a number of projects that have received, uh, excuse me, there are a number of projects that have received uh, federal support from the government, um, like the Balder development in Coburg just recently. But it's not changing the fact that there has been a 10-year waiting list for affordable housing in the county for decades. 
what is the government going to do to significantly move that needle? So I think that the, the key component of that for this area is the Rapid Housing Initiative, which is an, a $2.5 billion fund that was announced to, uh, that will, it's specifically designed to move quickly and to get houses built. So again, it's a matter of uh, making the right connections, tapping in to bring those funds to our county because um, we are in desperate need. I hear that again at the doorsteps. It's, it's uh, housing is crucial in this area. So I mentioned already, there's the national housing strategy, but also newly announced is this, this uh, rapid initiative, which is designed to, uh, to get housing in place very quickly. There are many veterans and active soldiers living in Northumberland, and we've watched over the past few days and weeks as the Taliban has overrun the government in Afghanistan. Now, there were many delays in getting people, especially those who helped the Canadian military, out of the country. But there are also a lot of people that are expressing frustration with the fall of that country so quickly. What would you say directly to those people in Northumberland who are expressing this frustration over the sacrifices so many made and the ultimate results we are seeing today? Uh, certainly, it is devastating. I attended a vigil yesterday um, in support of a local family who have loved ones in Afghanistan. And uh, what I said to them, first and foremost, was that the community of Coburg is supporting and uh, making space for their uh, heartbreak and, and part of their community here. And I was really heartened by the number of people who came to show that support. Now, of course, um, that doesn't, uh, that's not an answer to the fact that we are facing this worldwide crisis. Um, and I know that, again, I'm not privy to the inner decisions that are made at the government. I'm not at that level. Uh, so I, I can't speak for decisions that have been made uh, by the Canadian government. I know that the Canadian government is committed to international aid and humanitarian efforts, and I that they are doing everything they can in a very complicated and uh, very uh, ever-changing situation on the ground to get as many people to safety as they can. Um, I believe there's 1,100 as of today, something like 1,100 people have been evacuated. The other thing that, that uh, heartens me too is the level of international cooperation that we are seeing um, to get folks out as quickly as possible and to cut down on red tape just to evacuate people um, to deal with this situation. I know that Canada will continue to honor its, its uh, dedication to humanitarian aid as they always have done and I, I truly believe that our country will do everything it can to resolve the situation. What is your reaction to the rally that was held when uh, the Prime Minister came to a campaign stop on August 17th, where there were protesters swearing at him, yelling obscenities, and being physically and vocally aggressive? Obviously, that was a very intense situation. I was right in the middle of it, of course, and um, it, it was disappointing. It was uh, embarrassing and uh, really disheartening because it's not who we are in this neighborhood, in this riding. Um, and I don't believe it's who we are as Canadians fundamentally, but it appears that this is an issue that will be recurring over the course of the election. Of course, the Liberal Party firmly believes in vaccination and we don't shy away from that. 
course, as we know, we've mandated vaccination for federal workers and uh, travel by train and air. Not all parties agree with that mandated vaccination rate. And uh, it's a shame that, that we face folks who, who have these differing views. Uh, I do think that the majority of people at that particular event were supportive and were excited to have the Prime Minister there and to launch the campaign. Um, and, and I make no apologies for the Liberal position and my own personal position, which is that vaccination is the way to get us out of this pandemic. And I really have very little time for individuals who don't, uh, who don't believe in that. But just to build on that, I mean, it's a matter of also of tone. Um, I know that there's been other events and other videos posted up where, you know, people are calling him a cockroach, um, you know, rude things, profanity, um, very aggressive. And I, I wonder what it says about our democratic processes and our the current state of Canadian politics. It's very scary. And I think for many, it may even be a barrier to entering politics. Certainly when I threw my hat in the ring, people said to me, oh, wow, you hope you have a thick skin. And I've seen it. I mean, I, I do. So luckily it's sort of water off my back, but um, I've seen it in my own uh, social media feeds. It's the vitriol is, is really astounding. And partly I wonder if it's related to anxiety built up from the pandemic. Uh, but the, the degree of anger that I'm seeing uh, in these public forums is, is concerning. Um, certainly, it's, it's not something that uh, I think is, is productive uh, at all. Um, but I, unfortunately, it just seems to be what, what we're dealing with in this election. I, I note that it seems to be following our leader as well. The next day, same thing in other in other writings as well that he was visiting. So it's unfortunate that we don't all view, and it seems to relate in large part to the vaccination issue. So it's unfortunate that we don't all see things that way because the science tells us it's the only way to get past this uh, pandemic. Last that, question. That's where we're at. Last question. There is so much division and the use of wedge issues in politics today. It does not feel like we are a unified country, despite all the rhetoric. Can you say something positive about the current MP, Philip Lawrence, and what he has done? So Philip Lawrence is, is a very friendly individual. I've seen him uh, on the campaign trail. And the example that I'll give is this family that was the subject of the vigil yesterday. Um, he was helpful to them in terms of some assistance that they required. And certainly they were very thankful to him. So uh, that's a concrete example of, of a way in which I believe he assisted that family. Um, and also Philip and I have spoken about the level of vitriol that we were just discussing. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's affecting both of us. And uh, neither of us want to see that. We've agreed that between the two of us, certainly we want to be uh, civilized in our uh, disagreements, which I'm sure will come over the course of the election. Very quickly, what has it been like on the campaign trail with uh, the current heat and, and, and getting out and the pandemic? Just give us a quick snapshot of, of what you've been, it's been like out there. So it's been hot. <laughs> We've been out every day uh, knocking on doors, meeting folks. 
And I have to say the number of people who have offered me a glass of water has been <laughs> sort of heartwarming. Um, I feel we've had great momentum with our campaign. Of course, having the leader here on Monday really gave us a, a good feeling of enthusiasm and great momentum. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. We're, we're off to uh, Newcastle today to meet some more folks. And um, to me, it's invigorating. That's, that's really, despite the heat, we're, we're managing to uh, find a lot of joy in meeting folks and hearing what their issues are. If I'm going to advocate for people, then I need to, to listen first. And that's what we get to do at the door is, is listen. And then when it comes time to making priorities and acting, I'll, I'll have those stories that I can bring forward. Alison Lester, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for the opportunity. That was my conversation with Alison Lester, Liberal candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.